morning. It is Tuesday, August 11th, and this is Community Pulse, your local report on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. on KOPN, and all episodes can be found online at kopn.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today on Community Pulse, as schools in Boone County and beyond prepare to reopen this fall, we take on the subject of outdoor education and how moving, schooling, and other activities outside can help provide a safer environment for learning during this pandemic. On the line is our host, Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters. And our guest today is Tori Kassebaum, Director of School Affairs at City Garden School in Columbia, which recently announced an all-day outdoors program for the fall. Thank you so much for joining us, Tori. Thank you, and welcome, Tori. Thanks for taking some time this morning. Yeah, of course. And and I hear you wanted to make sure you knew how long this would last because you were going to be talking to a lot of new parents. Yes, we have been getting tons of calls. So, yes, thank you for letting me know how long it will go. <laughs> so let's first give an introduction of you and the program that City Garden um, has been doing and is now going to be doing. Yeah, great. So, um, yeah, I'm Tori Kastbaum. I'm the Director of School Affairs at City Garden, and I'm also a stay-at-home mom. So it's a part-time position um, that I do mostly from home with my baby. Um, And I was previously the third, fourth, and fifth grade teacher at City Garden for three years before I had my baby. And so, um, yeah, I have some some experience um, teaching and also now doing administration there. Um, City Garden is a, a nonprofit Waldorf-inspired school, and previously that looked like an indoor school. Um, we did have one day a week that we went completely outside to just play in the woods, um, and so our, our children and our families are used to to being outside for days at a time. Um, but we we did our learning indoors, and so um, you know with the pandemic. We, um, we were actually planning on being indoors. We even switched spaces in our building so that we could have a private entrance and not interact with the public at all. Um, and we were, we were going about that plan until about two weeks ago um, when mm-hmm. our staff met and, and just kind of realized how unrealistic it was to actually stay open and stay safe. Um, yeah, and so that's when we made that switch um, to being outdoors. And what that looked like was really searching around Columbia for land um, that we could use for our school. And we ended up finding Camp Takamina. And um, actually, they were having a yard sale. And one of our teachers, who was really committed to helping us move outside, went to the yard sale and connected with them. And um, they were more than happy to to offer their space to us for, for at least the fall and possibly through to the spring. So um, how can you possibly imagine having children outside all day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, like I said, we've, we've done our outdoor days um, once a week for a long time. So, like, you know, imagining playing with children outside, teaching them about the plants, all that feels really easy and natural to us. Um, but actually, it has, you know, there are some challenges about, like, learning math outside and, and doing our writing outside. Um, and that's just something that we're really, like, getting creative about. And so, 
um, yeah, right now that looks like each class has like a spot around the campfire where there are actually benches and little seats. And so um, we're going to like have desks in quotes um, outside around the bonfire and um, they go to the same spot every day. So they know that that's their classroom. Um, The teachers have like wagons that they're bringing out from a covered space where they're stored at night with all their materials. There are just like so many little details that we're figuring out, but it just feels like, yeah, like what we have to do right now. So, um, so we're getting creative and making it happen. <laughs> so, and what about the weather, Tori? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, another another just experience from being outdoors with children. We know actually the weather tends to to bug the adults more than the children. Um, it's like. <laughs> We take the the city garden kids out in like, you know, 10 degrees in the winter sometimes and they're all bundled up and they end up sweating and asking if they can take off their coats and all the teachers were like, you know, shivering and and kind of miserable, but the kids are having a great time. And so um, we do know that, that some weather will not be conducive for learning outside. So if it's like a really intense storm or if it's bitterly cold in an unsafe way, then we have a couple options. And there is an indoor space there for like emergencies. If, you know, there's a tornado, we can all mask up and go indoors. It's a big lodge and we could actually distance in that lodge, but it would be a little bit more challenging, of course. Um, And then also we've told families, you know, if the weather's really bad, we may call you and say, the weather's horrible. We're going to have to go inside. So, like, if you're able to, please come up and pick up your child. And, and we know we have families who are not comfortable with their child being inside. And so they will come and pick up their child. And so hopefully, you know, we just have a few kids left in, in the indoor space um, whose parents maybe can't get off work. We do have a few, a few nurses and, um, and other, yeah, essential workers in our parent community. So, um yeah, and, and also um, just in every conversation with our community, we've been really honest. Like, we're all figuring this out together. This is uncharted territory. We're doing what feels the safest to us. But, but really, we have to work together to make this, make it actually safe. And, and our parent community has just been so supportive of that. So what's, it, what's the community response been to you? Because you just announced this with, a week ago or so? Help. Yeah, a week ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been really great. Um, our families, one, are just so excited. And, and some people, like, wrote me back, like, I'm crying. This is exactly what I wanted for my child. I was hoping this would happen. Like, this feels so safe. Um, and then just a wider community response has been very similar. Like, people are are super excited that this is an option for their children. And so, yeah, I've been getting, like, six enrollment calls a day and um you know part of part of the the reason people are calling is because we have small class sizes and so we're really trying to balance like accepting children and having um reaching many children and also keeping numbers safe so um, i've just been talking to a lot of families all all week uh, and I, i expect that to continue until we start school and maybe beyond that too and so are you expanding your program? Are you hiring new staff? Are you? Yeah, we, we actually um, are expanding a bit. So we're, we're shifting. We normally have 
shared classes. And so it's like a first and second grade, a third and fourth grade. And then our fifth graders learned on their own. And this year, our fifth grade was really small. And so we've combined it with our third and fourth grade, which I actually taught third, fourth and fifth grade combined uh, in years past. And it worked really well. And so we're, we're doing that. And then having our first grade standalone and our second grade standalone, just because that's really where the interest was in the community in those first and second grade spots. And so um, instead of limiting that one class to 12 people, now we have a first grade that can have 12 and a second grade that can have 12. And then our third, fourth, and fifth grade, we're limiting to 14. So, um, yeah, (laughs) we are also – we're hiring an aftercare teacher because families are really asking about after-school options that are outdoor. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're hiring someone to run that program for us. So we are expanding and also trying not to take on like a whole bunch of new staff and new families. <laughs> Truly, it's just this like two weeks before school starts. So mm-hmm. we're just, uh, yeah, it's all a balancing act. <laughs> So is your, I, I was just at the Columbia School Board meeting last night, and mm-hmm. I, I've not been to a school board meeting before, and I would recommend that people go to them. It was very um, informative, and it was helpful to get to see my school, our school board members in action. And anyway, I know that they are talking about changing what their programs are and what is being offered based on the incidence and prevalence of the disease in the community. And I'm wondering if you're going to be altering your programs based on that, or is your plan right now to to just do an outdoor program? Yeah, our plan right now is to just do an outdoor program. Um, we actually had a, a big parent meeting last night, and someone asked us that exact question. And, like, one, we're, we're really learning as we go. And so if things start to feel unsafe <laughs> for our teachers or for our families, um, then we have that conversation. But right now, since we're outdoor, um, we're, we're away from the city, it feels safe to just have the program and, and really, um, yeah, yeah, just be kind of isolated out there outside. <laughs> and what do you anticipate uh, being some of the challenges and the unexpected benefits of this program? Mm-hmm. Well, the, I'll start with the unexpected benefits because um, I'm just really excited about being outdoors. Um, yeah, the, so learning outdoors, it may seem like it's actually like hard to concentrate. You know, there are bird sounds and like maybe a frog hops by, um, but they, there are studies and, and I have a degree in environmental education. And so, um, yeah, that, that was what my, my schooling was in. There are studies that show that actually learning outdoors with that ambient noise and being connected to the earth actually helps children that, that have trouble concentrating. And so I'm really excited for what it, what it will do and allow our children who maybe struggle in the classroom um, to experience when they're at school. So that feels really exciting to me. Um, I also just know children love being outside. And, and one of the hardest parts of, of the day when we're inside is bringing them in for recess, from recess. Like, they don't want to come inside. And so just being able to be um, really immersed in the natural world feels really natural for kids. And so I'm just just excited to see what that offers um, our school and our students. And then we also, because we're Waldorf-inspired and because our staff is just really passionate about um, outdoor education, we do a lot of curriculum that, that is about nature. And so in years past, that's 
often that we have to go on a field trip um, out to the woods or to a farm or to um, one of the parks around Columbia to look at the native plants. And now those things are, are going to be literally growing in our classroom. And so it fits really well with our curriculum, too. Um, and then I think the, the challenge is, of course, like not all children love to be outside all day. It does sometimes get uncomfortable when you're wet or when you're cold. And so um, really like having having good gear and like the right clothing can be can take some trial and error. And so I see. I see there being some challenges, especially at the beginning of the year when the weather shifts, just in children being like wet and cold. And so, you know, we've dealt with that before on our outdoor days and it, and it is a challenge. We get through it and then, then we learn the next time, oh, I need to wear more waterproof pants or whatever, or bring, bring two changes of clothes. Um, and so, so that will be a challenge, but I don't see it, see it being something that we can't overcome as a community. Um, and then... Yeah, I think just in thinking about the winter, like the deep winter, um, that can be that is going to be a challenge. Uh, we are right now at this outdoor space through December 11th, which is when our winter break begins. And really, we are hoping to come up with a plan for the deep winter months kind of in that time when we're experiencing cold outdoors with children. Um, we have a few things we've talked about as a community, whether that be if it feels safe, which I, I don't suspect, but maybe it, maybe it will, um, going back indoors to our, our classroom space in the city. It could also look like shorter days, not the full day of school. It could look like taking a longer winter break. We're just really kind of open to it looking different this year. Um, and since we're such a small school, you know, it's easy to adapt that way, or relatively easy. It will still present challenges for, for our working families, but, um, but I think yeah. we can, yeah, we can work through that together. I'm hearing you. So um, if, are you, are you still welcoming other people to call and talk to you or is your, yeah. is your, <laughs> is your program? No, I mean, <laughs> I'm always happy to talk to people. Um, we have really limited spots. So, like, in each class, we have, like, two to three spots still open. Um, but, mm -hmm. like, I have, like, three calls today, you know. And so um, I would just, yeah, I would welcome people to call and then just know that, that the answer right now might be, like, if there is an opening, I will let you know. Um, and, mm -hmm. and, yeah, families are also understanding about that, that call. They always say like I know school starts in like two weeks but um and so yeah I, I would say still call but um yeah but just know that space is limited so do you anticipate any challenge so do you want to give your contact information if people are interested and would like to sure yeah the best way actually is email just because I am home with my toddler often um and so the email is citygardencolumbia at gmail.com and it's on our website, too, which is citygardencolumbia.org. You can find all the contact information there. Do Thanks. you want to talk a little bit about being a Waldorf-inspired school and uh, that part of your mission? Yeah, yeah. So um, many people don't know about the Waldorf philosophy, and I didn't know much about it before I came to actually volunteer at City Garden. Um, and so the, the part that really resonates with a lot of our staff is that we teach every lesson through, like, storytelling. Um, so language arts, 
math and the younger grades, science, it's all through story. And those stories really reach the children on a deep level. So instead of asking them to just memorize something, we're really reaching their souls, we believe, um, through this creative story. And then they do a drawing about the story, and then they get to their language arts writing composition. And so we're really, um, we're really speaking to their imagination and to their hearts and souls and also to their intellect. And so that feels really um, actually easy to do outdoors, easy to do anywhere, but, but um, a, a nice philosophy to just transfer, to be outside. Um, and then another part of it is, is like developmentally appropriate curriculum. And so, um, yeah, just making sure the stories we're telling, the content we're sharing is really reaching the child where they are developmentally and not pushing them you know, we don't believe in pushing children to read in kindergarten. We believe that children, the window for children to learn to read really goes until third grade. And so providing those opportunities for them to learn and, and for them to hear rich story and do these other things that we know, um, you know, benefits reading development, but we're not making them feel that pressure if they can't read a paragraph by kindergarten or first grade. Um, gotcha. Yeah, and, yeah, and then I would and also you're just, also there's yeah. also um, I don't pro- propose to be any expert on Waldorf, but it seems like when yeah. I talk to people about Waldorf or I see Waldorf schools, I see people doing things like um, knitting and yeah. watercolors and definitely that is, yeah yeah yeah, and so art is another big part of uh, of the curriculum, um, and actually. We just talk about how we're not only educating minds, we're educating hearts and hands, too. And so, yeah, knitting, crocheting, sewing, we're teaching them, one, these practical skills that actually teaches them what it takes to make our materials and therefore creates reverence for those materials in our life. But also is an act of um, will to sit down and, and learn how to knit as a first grader. And so it's really, um, it's really creating a balanced human, you know, like someone might be really good at math and that's actually easy for them. But then knitting is like feels, you know, next to impossible. But but we value all of those things equally. And so, um, yeah, it can be it can be very challenging to teach a first grader to knit. But it's also they make beautiful, wonderful things and. And it's kind of amazing. Um, yeah, and then I wanted to also just add the outdoor elements. Like nature is also a big part of the Waldorf curriculum. And I'd say our school even um, has made that more of an emphasis. But, but just built into the curriculum, like the first and second graders have a whole block of, of four weeks where they learn um, a subject called nature studies. So they're hearing different stories about nature. And then in third grade, we do farming. And in fourth grade, we study the human being and the animal. And in fifth grade, we study botany. And so really, like, the the love and um, connection with the natural world is built into the curriculum with Waldorf education. So this is not a stretch for you to see that nature would uh, reinforce your curriculum, both as an no, environmental no. educator and as someone who's, who's spent a lot not, of time with the Waldorf. Not a stretch. But I think for some families I talk to, it is a stretch. And so I'm starting to see, you know, that that, that, that is an education piece that our school can provide. So, yes, personally, not a stretch, but I can I can see how it could be a stretch for those that haven't spent a lot of time outdoors with children. <laughs> right. So that I was going to ask you whether you're seeing a challenge of sort of a, a mindset or a, 
a paradigm of what education really is. And I think that a lot of people equate education with school. And when they mm-hmm. think of school, they think of um, people sitting in desks and mm-hmm. a blackboard or the um, electronic or technological equivalent of that. And I think they also think of if you have children outside, that what you have is chaos. Yes. That is definitely a paradigm that I see, Um, but I am seeing a shift in that because, you know, we even have um, families at our school who in years past, I don't think would just wholeheartedly support learning outdoors. And then in this, um, you know, strange time in this pandemic, it's really allowed us to just get creative and like allow other things to, um, to unfold. And so, yeah, I think it can be a really restrictive paradigm to think that's what learning has to look like. And we know that that only benefits certain children, that kind of learning. Many children don't learn well sitting down in the desk, especially young children, um, and, and trying to listen to a teacher all day. And so, um, I'm hoping that this this opportunity for our school and other schools to kind of get creative actually um, sticks around, you know, and really does shift the paradigm, not only for this year, but for for long term um, in terms of what, yeah, education can look like. Do you have other have other organizations reached out to you to say, hey, how, how do we do what you're doing? Um, no, no one has done that yet. But I do know, like many, especially of the preschools around town, um, that we have, yeah, either, you know, had children come to us after they've gone there, or we've told families about those preschools, they really utilize outdoors. Um, I'm not sure if anyone is doing completely outdoor. But I know like Blue Fox Farm School, they do a lot of outdoor education. They have a beautiful space on a farm in Ashland. Um, Wildflower is a, is a play school for young children. Willow Tree is connected with Wildflower. They are outside most of the day. Um, and so I know Garden Gate is another school that does a lot of outdoor play. Those are all, you know, preschool age, but, but um, places that have, have really valued being outside before this. And so the transition to being outside more is a lot simpler. And uh, do you know, I know it's hard to speak for anybody else, do you know if any of them are planning a a fully outdoor program? I do not know that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, haven't heard yet. Because I know that there are a lot of parents who just really are concerned about, um, and I I am too, having my patient Mm -hmm. go inside at all. You know, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. CDC guidelines for a close contact of a case is anybody who spends more than 15 minutes, less than six feet away from someone without a mask on. And we don't, we honestly don't know that being outside um, modifies that, but we think it probably Mm -hmm. does. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, I think that people are concerned that children are going to have our time wearing masks. Little children can't wear masks. We know that they still transmit the virus um, and that they can bring it home to family members. Um, so, I, you know, I know that um, when I'm talking to parents, they're often looking for something that's, you know, really avoiding what they consider a danger of being inside. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure about about those program right. commitments mm-hmm. to being fully outdoor. But, um, right. yeah, I would say that they're open to those kinds of opportunities. And so, yeah, the more people that ask and, and you know, doctors that, that recommend being outdoors, the better, um, in my belief. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and so it sounds like your program has gone from one that was a fairly small program and you, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like maybe you, from you, your classes would fill to being sort of at capacity to what you can expand to pretty quickly from having announced a full-day outdoor program. Yeah, definitely. It's been a shift for sure. Um, like we've never really had a wait list. We've had full classes, um, but it's never been something that we've had to like turn people away from. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a big, a big shift um, and feels like a great, you know, opportunity for our school and also just for the larger movement toward outdoor education. Um, right. Yeah, and so it's presented, you know, like new challenges um, administratively for myself and and for our staff um, to have like you know six new children in a class is not something that that um, that normally happens two weeks before school starts. So yeah, it's just right. new challenges. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is this is me shamelessly plugging and hoping that other organizations will um, follow your lead, Tori. And I I really am so. Um, uh, I don't know, grateful, and uh, I just really honor your courage of stepping forward and saying, "Yep, we're gonna we're gonna take our program fully outdoors." Um, and I'm I'm wondering what tipped the tipped the balance for you and the people who were deciding this. Yeah. So actually, um, uh, one of our parents is a midwife, and we had just a really real conversation with her about public health and about her child attending our school and what she would prefer that would look like. And she led us to some studies even about, um, about other camps that, that were outdoors and didn't distance. And she just really um, was kind of the tipping point for us. Our teachers were not feeling completely comfortable. And so we were already thinking like, what is this going to look like? Does that mean we don't have school? Does that mean everyone wears masks? inside we still don't really feel that that yeah children can can handle that for six hours a day or that's not healthy in its own way um and so we had these yeah these worries and then after talking with this this midwife parent it just felt like it kind of tipped um uh, tipped tipped us toward knowing okay we have to do something drastically different here for everyone to feel safe and of course like our goal as a school is to to help children be fulfilled healthy children and so um so that just felt like you know we we have to do this and so um it was actually like two days after that phone call that we um went out to camp takamina and and connected with them and just from there it's been very quick but we've We've just made it happen at, at every every decision we've chosen outdoors, um, and so yeah, I wanna I wanna like thank that parent and just all of our parents in general for just being really open to conversing with us about what the year is gonna look like and and also being like just ready to support us as we shift the whole model even you know three weeks before school. It is. This, these times have created a lot of pressure for people to be way more flexible than um, they even knew that they were capable of being. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'll have to say that I spoke at the um, 
Columbia School Board meeting last night, and uh, Dr. Stiepelman uh, was able to show me that there are folks within the Columbia Public School System who are developing outdoor educational programs. He showed me some infographics that have been developed. We're trying to figure out who that is. We think we may have identified that person and going to see if we can get them onto um, Community Pulse uh, because I think that this is just a... Um, an issue that is on the minds of every parent and grandparent and people who know parents. And it's just really, it's been interesting to me how consuming this conversation has been for so many people in the central Missouri area. Definitely. I will just in terms of the public school, I worked at, um, at kind of a, a camp in Seattle, Washington, and we had every public school child out to this woodland camp. And I really think, like it can be done for the public school too. You know, they have that huge piece of land they purchased last year, was donated to them last year. And so I'm in complete support of the public school also offering this. Um, Yeah. And would be happy to connect with anyone um, to be helpful in that way. Tori Kessebaum, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to our um, listeners, and thank you to Tim, who's uh, joined us back as an engineer. I want to remind people to uh, wear your mask, wash your hands, uh, do everything outside, and uh, cultivate a cheerful confidence that you can handle a virus. And we will be tomorrow, and back in your ears, uh, Jenny Chadwick will be hosting, and then I'll be back on Thursday with a guest to be determined. All right. Thank you both. And that concludes today's edition of Community Pulse. As always, you can catch us live Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. here on KOPN and later in the day at KOPN.org and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Coming up next is an abridged version of Background Briefing. A quick programming note, starting in two weeks, Community Pulse will begin airing twice a week on Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m., followed by two new half-hour programs from 9.30 to 10 between the lines on Mondays and 51% on Wednesdays. Background Briefing will return to airing in its entirety on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Thank you so much for listening and keeping your radio dial tuned to KOPN 89.5 FM. We are your volunteer-run, listener-supported community radio station. We'll see you next time.